All right. You know what? I want to talk. The name of this message is The Beauty of Motherhood. And uh, Satan hates motherhood. He hates marriage. He hates the family. It's under attack. The top Satanists of the last century uh, and this century, uh, well, his works, he's top right now. I mean, he's dead. The Satanist, Lester Crowley, said that pub, uh, the family is public enemy number one. He wanted the kids to belong to him. He didn't like marriage either. He said, the marriage institution is an insidious institution. You've heard me quote the first one before, but probably not the second. Just found that one recently as we're preparing for our next video. I thought, wow, this guy, that's because he wanted, he wanted the boys and the girls to belong to him because he's a pervert and a child molester and everything else. He's got a lot of followers, some in government, many in the media and what have you. And there's a spirit that's after our children. We played a song with the San Francisco choir, right? Uh, and they said straight out, we're coming after your kids. And they love to see the dissolution of marriage and the dissolution of, of the family. I had an article I was going to quote from a, that came out a few months ago by the Simi Valley Enterprise. It was an opinion article but uh, by a syndicated writer, though. And it was how the state should, that we should dissolve parenting, that parents shouldn't be, have authority over the kids anymore. Children should belong to the state. And I was going to, and I couldn't, and I thought it was a joke when I first started reading that article a few months ago, and I just saved it for a message like this. I'm not going to quote from that article because I want to quote more from scripture, but I wanted to give you some examples of what's out there right now. He makes a strong case where we should get rid of parenting and uh, kids should belong to the state. And it's wicked. I thought this guy obviously doesn't have his own kids, <laughs> you know, but he wants authority over our kids. And sometimes it's for very nefarious purposes. And that's why we need to value motherhood more than we've ever valued motherhood right now. So scriptures warn about the dissolution of the family in the end times. Amen. The Bible says that last days, terrible times will come and men will be with lovers of self and all these wicked things. And then it says they'll be without family love. Storge. The Greek words astorge, meaning no family love. And we're in those times right now. Like the days of Noah where there's violence everywhere. The days of Lot. Where the young and the old, we're in the, in the, they're being groomed. The young people are being groomed by media, by government, in many cases uh, by school teachers to have a dysphoria, a, a lack of understanding about true sexuality. And motherhood's under attack. Satan hates motherhood. And I want to talk about the beauty of motherhood and praise God for the mothers here today. And praise God for you mothers that are watching uh, whether it's in your home right now or you're watching as part of a live stream group, uh, you're incredibly valued. The Lord, he made you. He didn't just make you. He made you in his image. Right there, we could stop the message almost right now and go home and say, wow, I made the image of the creator. I wasn't made a cockroach. I wasn't made a mosquito. I'm glad you weren't made a mosquito. You land on my arm, bam, you're gone. I, mosquitoes coming out this time of year, right? You were made in the image of God. And it's such an amazing reality. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And I also want to talk to all the women who, you know, haven't been married, but, you know, you just, maybe you have the gift of singleness. Uh, you haven't had children or you didn't adopt if you haven't had children. You chose not to adopt yet or you're older or whatever age you are as a woman. You're still created, I believe, to be a mother. And when I say you're created to be a mother still, I mean a mother, meaning God's probably, and I believe he has given you motherly instincts even as a mother with physical children. And I believe this because over and over again I see in Scripture where there's a single man who did 
more than just about anybody else except for Jesus and maybe a few others, and that's the Apostle Paul. And there's no evidence that he had any children. Some believe he was married and divorced, and his wife left him when he became a, a Christian, and the Apostle Paul went from, the, from Saul to the Apostle Paul. But we don't have any clear evidence of that, and he said he was a Pharisee, and Pharisees would have to be married, so it might be uh, the case, but he could have also lost his wife earlier. We don't know. We don't know that he ever had children, but we know he, this over and over again. He talks about how those he has brought to faith, those he has growing in the faith, that they are like his children in the faith. John says the same thing. First John, he says, I have no greater joy than this to see my children walk in the truth. And he refers to Timothy as his true son in the faith. Even though Timothy has a Greek father who doesn't know the Lord, he has a mother and a grandmother that know and love the Lord. And it's quite remarkable when you think about this because he calls him not my son of the faith, he calls him my true son of the faith. So he became a spiritual father. So I want to encourage the mothers here, if, you have, if you're a mother who has physical children, recognize that your influence isn't just your physical children. You should be influencing others with the motherly, motherly ways that God has given you and that those motherly ways are a reflection of God's heart. That's the blow mine here. I've talked about this a number of times so sisters will know that God made us in his image, male and female, Amen. And the, the female is as much in God's image as the male. It says, in Christ there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Galatians 3.28, amen. Now God has made us differently, right? It's definitely wrong for a man to want to be a woman and want to have babies and have sex change and everything else to have babies because he just wants to do what women do. That's wrong. It's wrong for women to want to take the man's role in regard to like, church leadership or what have you. Both are wrong, okay? Both are distortions and perversions. Uh, so, uh, because we believe in what we call complementarianism, right? The husband and the wife, they complement each other, amen? They're physically made to complement one another without getting too graphic, not using any visuals or anything like that, but they're made to go together like a jigsaw puzzle, right? And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, the same is true, and that brings life. Put two men together, it brings AIDS and other diseases, right? And women and men, women together, men together, bring a shortened lifespan, everything else. Distortion, sadness. It's not God's way, amen? But God created us to bring forth life. And I want to talk about all these different ways that women, mothers are beautiful. And by the way, Titus 2.3 instructs women, older women, doesn't say older mothers, older women, to be motherly. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Teaching what is good. So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So all the older women, not just certain older women, any of the women, and that doesn't necessarily mean, well, well, I guess when I hit 75, my wife and I are in our late 60s now, so I'm putting older up a little bit every time, you know. Older women, when we hit 80, if I'm still preaching, uh, late 50s, I'm sorry. Don't want don't, don't to rush this thing. But you can tell I'm already getting senile a little bit here, right? 
late 50s. Sorry, baby. My wife's the one that freaked out. She goes, no, we're not late 50s. And then when we're in our 70s, if I give a message like this, and I'm 75, I'll say older people in their 90s, get me hold my cane, get my cane to hold me up as I say it. Uh, but it's interesting because older women here will refer to those who are mature in the faith, you know, those who've been following the Lord for some time. You don't have to wait till you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. You should be sowing into the wives of the younger women, amen. I did a message, a whole message a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night on how we're supposed to raise up children in the faith. And I went through, Toby, you're shaking your head up and down. You remember that one? Praise the Lord, man. Young guy remembers it, okay? It's pretty easy to understand. And it was about how we're, all, we're to mentor others, amen? Bring them up in the faith. And I used all these examples from the New Testament where Paul calls Timothy and Titus his sons in the faith and elsewhere throughout Scripture. Every one of us should be trying to nurture others, amen? We should be it's encouraging others in the faith. If you're men and you've been in the Lord for some time, don't be. We talk all the time about not being like the Dead Sea, right? Where water flows in from the Jordan but doesn't flow out. It's the lowest place on earth, right? And it's, it's a death. There's no life in there, right? But be what? Be like the Sea of Galilee, right? The Jordan flows in. It's a picture of the water. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit, amen? And the life of God and the Word of God. And then it flows out. It teems with life. The Sea of Galilee is beautiful. I'd rather go to the Sea. I love Tahoe. I've been to Tahoe a few times. I'd rather go to the Sea of Galilee a thousand times more. And I know a lot of that has to do with just everything that happened there, but just, it's in beautifully situated. It's just mind-boggling. Maybe you'll end up with, uh, in one of our Israel trips with us. Just so beautiful. But we want to make sure we are encouraging others in the faith. Amen. That's important. And so I want to encourage all the women here to, to use the motherly heart that God has given you and be used by the Lord. You don't have to be a literal mom over a kid to give them encouragement, love, instruction. Yesterday, we had a little baby Russ's birthday party and uh, at the house later, I just threw some brats on. I'm doing, trying to go cheap meat. Things are getting expensive, right? <laughs> In fact, I, I told my wife, I go, how about we cook you lady steaks I can't stay long afterwards. We'll have the elders. Hey, elders, just a reminder, right when communion is going to be passed out, you guys come up now. That's the deal. The elders will be up here for prayer so I can make my wife happy and get home real quick. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be up here for prayer too. But we'll be up for prayer, but we, you know, not for long dialogues because we all want to be good, good uh, husbands to our wives for Mother's Day. And also, uh, we got, I got daughters who are mothers now and so forth. And just want to encourage you guys. I mean, I was, I was encouraged because afterwards, you know, Heather and Adam were there in Holly, and Chad hadn't shown up yet because they, Brother Nick had a, a, a wonderful thing going on for uh, the, the Young Life group there at his house, and then they showed up. But Eli went up to, uh, up to us, but Morde looked toward Heather, and he said, hey, have you been following at all that? He's so young. I'm like, whoa, have you been following that whole thing with Johnny Depp? You know, <laughs> like, and it's like, it's hard to miss. It's all over the news, right? And I'm like, didn't, wasn't sure what he knew. And I'm like, oh, man, what is he know? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and she goes, and it was great because he is not her daughter, but she took a loving motherly interest in him. And his parents do, I could lose it just talking about, you know, how they do with their kids and work hard at training them. And it's tough. There's like herding cats. We talked about that, right? And when you, you look at it, you go, okay, now, and you get, you're like, oh, this is so hard. Remember, that's how it is for God with millions of us but he's got more power and he's perfect, right? 
But she said, yeah, so what, have you learned any lessons from that, Eli? What lessons have you learned? Have you learned any lessons? I loved it. I'm like, good. This is a teaching moment. And that's, that's how it ought to be, amen? Teaching moments and instructing them and encouraging them in righteousness and how to live life. And that's how we ought to, you know, be with our children. We're, when we're in bed, when we're walking along the way, when we're sitting down, whatever the scriptures say, whatever we're doing, teach them the word of God, amen? And Eli thought about it and he said, marry a woman, marry a lady who's good and godly. <laughs> and she goes, that's right. And vice versa, you know. And she goes, and how do you know if you got a godly spouse? And he goes, they're a Christian. <laughs> and that, that would be they're a true Christian, right? And she said, yeah, as long as they're truly following Christ. If Christ is first in your wife's life, truly first in your wife's life, truly first in your husband's life, you're going to have a blessed marriage, right? Because you're both going to be seeking to follow the Lord. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to be forgiving one another. Amen? You're going to learn to forgive and walk in righteousness and grow in grace and be patient because you know the Lord's patient with you. And so you can teach. We're supposed to, the Bible says you're competent to counsel one another at the end of the book of Romans. We're supposed to encourage one another. Amen? And, and I love it when I see brothers encouraging other brothers in the Lord, sisters encouraging other sisters in the Lord. I want to encourage you guys to do all that more. I mean, Elijah men mentored Elisha. Amen? Moses mentored Joshua, amen? Paul discipled Timothy. Jesus discipled the apostles, amen? And in that study I gave with regard to uh, sons in the faith a few weeks ago, you might want to check that out because I go through a number of examples where there's mentorship in the scripture. And that's an example to us. God wants you to be involved in ministry. He's waiting. You don't have to wait for someone to tell you what to do. God already tells you what to do, amen? Pour into the lives of others, amen? Crowd to the Lord and say, Lord, Bring about divine appointments and, and show me. Put people on my heart. Amen. But make sure when you're doing that, you're encouraging them in faith. You're encouraging them to love one another. That you have no agenda other than exalting Jesus. Amen. That's very, very important. Women are beautiful. And when I'm talking about women, mothers are beautiful. Mothers uh, who have literal children and mothers who are motherly without literal children, but children in the faith. Literal spiritual children. They lead you, they lead you to Christ you know, perhaps, or they mentor you and tell you how to grow in Christ. Well, because they're life bearers. The women here are the life bearers. They actually, from their womb comes forth the children. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20 says, a man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. She's the mother of all living. And check that out. The mother of all living. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works. My soul knows it very well. So the Lord's our creator, amen? But he knits us together in our mother's wombs. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. I was talking to a, a pastor in the Philippines uh, and he was an older gentleman and he ran a school for some time with his wife who's Filipino. He was in World War II, stationed in the Philippines like I was, in a, or like I was, like my dad was. <laughs> Man, and he was an amazing guy. We're talking, and he came to see me speak and so forth, and we had a great chat. And, uh, and I, you, know, you walk in the Philippines, man, you just drip water. You just drip sweat. I remember John Heber and I were walk, just walking, and my 
and I'm wet all over. And my legs start, my, my shoes start sloshing water, just passing out tracks, you know, invites to, we're, we're starting up new churches there, you know. And it was crazy because uh, John's like, hey, let me have your backpack, man. You're sweating. And by the time we got to the end of the street, now he's carrying this heavier backpack and he's all wet, you know. And I asked that guy, that gentleman, I go, how many times, how many times do you, you know, well, I said, have you got used to the, have you got used to the humidity here? Or, no, I said, how long, does it, how long does it take you to get used to the humidity? How many, how many months, years, whatever, how long did it take you? That's what it was. He goes, you kidding? I'm not used to it. I've taken three showers a day, you know? I'm like, so Jim, fair warning, bro. Jim might head up with his wonderful wife, Rochelle, and praise, you, praise the Lord for you guys. I'm going to have Jim do a you know, seven-minute slideshow or something up here uh, with Rochelle and show you what they're doing. And it would be great bring, to bring Rochelle up with you, okay? Rochelle, you come up with him. And in the Philippines with what the Lord's using, this fellowship to do a lot of things, but the fruit that's being born over there of uh, the, the ministry that's going on, we, we rebuilt, used church money to rebuild her house after the typhoon, Rochelle's mom's house. And she gives much thanks to you guys and is very grateful. And the kids are all meeting again, and it's just beautiful and uh, another brother that used to go here but is in another state now put money up for the uh, uh, sanctuary. We put money up, but Jim said, I don't need it now because this other brother stepped out. I go, praise God. So you get to see all these wonderful pictures, but Jimmy, it'll be worth it, right? Three showers a day, hey, they'll feel really good, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, you guys, it's important for us to get it, to understand how important mothership is, and if that's even a word, the mothership you know, Ezekiel chapter 16, 44, mothers are examples. Behold, everyone who uses Proverbs will use the, the, the proverb about you, like mother, like daughter. And sadly, in Ezekiel 16, when it says that, it's warning about the bad example they've been in, in following paganism, and it's led their children into paganism. But conversely, the scriptures say in Proverbs 31, 25, of the Proverbs 31 woman, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Uh, she, and it talks about the example she is throughout Proverbs to her children, you know, in her teaching. And, and the whole thing in Proverbs 31 is wisdom personified and what that ideal mother looks like. It's amazing as an example. Mothers are examples. Mothers, and I'm talking again about Christian mothers, godly mothers, not those who say I'm a Christian, but those who truly put Christ first in their hearts. A Christian mother is a teacher. A Christian mother is a teacher. Amen? And I'm encouraging you right now, sisters of the Lord, pray that God would stir up the gifts he's given you. And there's a gift of teaching. There's also the natural ability to teach that God has given mothers that's instinctual, put there by God. There's also spiritual gifts that God can give you when you ask, ask for them. Have you been asking? God, give me the gift to teach and share with my sisters in the Lord, to share with my children, to share with children. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. It says of Mary, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She treasured up all these. So Mary, who when you see her explode in praise and worship, you look at her song, you're like, the song of Mary? It's full of scripture. You're like blown away. This was a young lady too when she was, she was conceived the Messiah. But she treasured truth in her heart. Do you treasure truth? God calls us to be lovers of truth and haters of lies. In fact, Proverbs 31.26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and, she, er, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Wow. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
verses 6 and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So you want to make sure they're on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and then and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So you're always teaching the word of God. You know what I encourage you? The teaching of the fellowship here at Blessed Hope Chapel with your children is supplementary. A supplement is something that you, isn't the main course, right? The parental teaching is the main course. When you look at your children old, and they're older in life, you can't go, oh, they never shared the scripture with my children. You can't, can't say that about our fellowship for sure. Okay, you just go through the Sunday school classes here and you go through the, you know, uh, you know, different people teaching. They're sharing the word with your children, but, and they're hearing the word here for sure. Amen, if you take them on a Sunday. But it's supplementary compared to, compared to the time that you get to spend with them and when you're supposed to be teaching them. And how often are you supposed to be teaching them? According to that Deuteronomy? How often is that? I heard it right. Say it again, Diana. All the time. All the time. All the time. When I was a young husband and I became a young father, you know, we would have devotions and eventually, and we'd still sit down together like that, but guess what? Our devotions weren't really devotions in the sense that they were anything different than the way our whole life was. I mean, the way I was with my wife when we first met to, the, to, to this day right now, you talk to her, you know, most of the things we talk about by far and away is the word of God and obeying the word of God. We're praying together. We're praying for not only our children, but we're praying for you and your children. We're crying out to God on your behalf and on your, we love you and your children's behalf that we present each person perfect before the Lord, Colossians 1, 28, that we would, that that would happen. But you need to be doing that at home too. So when I had children, our whole life is a devotion, you know? When I talk to my children and I'm talking to Holly or Heather, which I just had mentioned earlier, and it's coming out of her now, you know, she's teaching Eli and her children, you know, and just at that moment teaching Eli, but she shared before with him, and, and certainly Heather or Holly and Chad, they're constantly pointed out in their children, and they're pointed out in, in Heather's child, child as well, and, and on and on, and it just continues, but it should, be a, it should be our life, amen? Christ is not our pastime, he's our life. He's not our co-pilot, he's the pilot. We're going with him, amen? He's not going with us and our, fulfilling what we want to do. That's the key, amen? So you make your life a devotion. You know, when you follow Jesus, he's constantly, well, that's Jesus. He's constantly talking about the word to us. Well, that's Jesus. We're called to be like who? About Jesus. Here's a vine. Well, let me tell you how the vine works and what you guys are. You're the branches. Oh, the lilies of the field, right? Oh, the birds of the air. Boom, he ties it into God's truth. Amen? And the Bible says that he is our example. So let's praise God, mothers, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the very first chapter, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Okay? And believe me, that wasn't just the Hebrew alphabet, guys. Okay? A lot of the Hebrews didn't even read at that time. Okay? Truth. Many did. They are a garland of grace around your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 22 and 25. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Young people, man, don't just give your mother a Mother's Day gift today. Amen? Be a Mother's Day gift. God used them to give you life. Now you're called to honor your father and your mother. 
and be a blessing to them all the days of their lives so they can rejoice. Let them see that you love Jesus, that you're walking in the truth, that you're growing in grace. I love 3 John 1.4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. A godly woman, a Christian mother, is praiseworthy. I love this. Praiseworthy. Honor, your, honor her uh, for uh, her, all her hands have done. Proverbs 31, 31. Honor her for all her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Yes, praise. Not worship, but praise. Amen. I, I sang to my mom, uh, Happy Mother's Day today. And mom, if you're looking at the live stream group, you're in Idaho saying, he did? Your memory is not that bad yet. You're doing a lot better than that because I sang it on the phone because she didn't answer this morning, but I was just up there and I'm going to talk to her again. But I won't, I won't sing it to all you guys because I'd be, yeah, definitely don't put him on the worship team. Okay. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord the God, your God has given you. Wow. Proverbs 31, 28, 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Mothers, <laughs> live a godly life, that is exemplary of that which calls forth praise from others. You can't live a wicked life and not be following the Lord or doing your own thing and being your own God and expect praise, right? You have to fear God, love him, and put him first, of course. But a godly mother is absolutely praiseworthy. I love this one. She's truly precious. Mothers are truly, godly mothers are truly precious. Good to see the Fowlers, man, twice in a row now. I just saw you guys up in Idaho. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. Godly mothers are, I love this verse. This verse, man, when I hit it, it ministers to me a lot because I apply it to myself as well. And I'll, I apply it to all human beings, but it's specifically directed at women. It says, you should be known for uh, the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Wow. I want God to see my heart and see a heart that loves him. Amen. God says of David, he, he says he's a man after his own heart. And if you're not after God's heart, you're after the enemy's heart. There's only two hearts you can ultimately follow, right? And you want God to see a God-fearing heart that loves him. And it's precious, it says, in his sight. You know, things are precious to people, but to know that you're precious in God's sight when you adopt a disposition of humility before God, love, you walk in love, you're not out to hurt people, you're not out to exalt yourself at the expense of others, you're not out uh, to, to just, you know, get your own things and live for yourself and do your own thing. You're saying, hey, I want the Lord to be first. I want to be a blessing. I want to be encouragement. Amen? Godly mothers are peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. Paul says, do everything that's within you to be at peace with others. Amen. The Bible says, you know, how precious it is or how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. They want to see the unity of their family. Amen. They want to inspire unity in their family. They don't want to cause division in their, in their relationship with their spouse. They don't want to cause division among the kids, but they're peacemakers. One thing, I have so many things I love my mom for. I told my mom, you know, on my little phone call to her earlier this morning that she's the best, you know. And one thing, I, all these things I can, I mean, we were just going through the dishes she made and when I was up in Idaho, and we were talking about the different things she made. And I, when I, and I couldn't, I, 
it was like infinite, it seemed. I had no idea she made that many things. I kept coming up with ones I forgot about, and then I wanted to cook it again, you know? But that wasn't the main thing, okay? <laughs> there were so many main things, and one is that she was always a peacemaker, even when we were adults older, you know? Kathy's shaking her head up right now, another wonderful mom right there. Love you, Kathy. You're a blessing. My oldest sister, you know? And praise the Lord for Patty and Peggy, too. Love you guys. Uh, and mom, you missed my call, but happy birth, happy Mother's Day. I sang the birthday song with the Mother Day words, you know? And I always switch that up. And instead of the last or the third happy birthday, it's, I always say, God bless you, dear. So, you know, make it a little spiritual, right? Anyways, she was always a peacemaker, right? She never wanted to see the kids at odds with each other. And she went, so, and she was a peacemaker in the fellowship too. When people weren't getting along or she saw, she would pray for them and say, you might want to encourage so-and-so. I love that about her. And by the way, if you're going to help other people, encourage them the Lord, you need to be a peacemaker. Watch out for those who come and sow dissension among you. Amen. Who draw disciples after themselves. The Bible warns about them as wolves. Amen. That we're actually encouraging one another in the faith. That we love one another. And the Bible says to, uh, the Bible says to strive for the unity of the faith. Amen. In Christ Jesus. So be a godly mother. And the Bible says do it all that is within you to be at peace with all people in Christ. Amen. That's huge. So she's also full of selfless love. I mean, when you think of selfless love, you can't help but think of mothers, you know? I mean, they just spend their lives year after year after year after year with selfless love. I was watching uh, one of my grandchildren play base a baseball game recently, and uh, there was a mother sitting next to me of four children the same age as Holly and Chad's. And, I mean, she said that. I go, you must know my daughter Holly, and she goes, yeah. Her kids are the same age as mine. And you know what? She had, I said, you have to be an octopus because she's watching her kids over here and over there and watching her kid and trying to cheer him on. And I reminded me of Holly, you know? And it's like, wow. And I said, happy Mother's Day to her, you know, uh, early, you know, a couple days before Mother's Day. I said, happy Mother's Day to you. You're doing a great job. And mothers need encouragement, man, because it's, it's work. And it's interesting because they have this selfless love. And I, I trip out because I see Holly just, like, just... Because we had our children far apart. Each of our children were like almost four years apart. Holly and then Heather and then Josiah. And we had children, a couple, few, two or three, I don't know how many, in between. But there were miscarriages. So it just worked out that way. And I told that gal, I said, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough because my daughter Holly, because you have them all really close together. And she goes, yeah, but it's got to be tough the other way, I would think, because after four years, boom, then you get another one. And after, boom, you get another one. I'm like, I just... Shook my head, but I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> not as hard as having them all so close together, you know. But uh, it's great. But we're all to chime in. We're supposed to help each other. But we need to have selfless love. We need to be like the Lord. He had selfless love toward us. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Love one another as, as I've loved you. No greater love does a man have than he lays down his life for his friends. First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. The Christian mother understands that she's first been loved by God, amen, and that our children are a gift from God, amen, and that she acts in his stead, and he acts as well, obviously, but she represents him. First John, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it doesn't not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects Always trust, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen? 
And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, love must be sincere Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. 1 John 5, 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I love that. Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And it was neat because when Heather was sharing with uh, Eli, and I'm used to hearing Holly and Chad sharing with Eli, and it, but, but it was just beautiful because she started talking about love and how there has to be true love in a relationship. And you know what love is. And she went to the prophets, you know, the law and the prophets, you know. And we taught that to them when they were young, that, the, that love, you know, fulfills the law. And the greatest commandments, she asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He thought she meant the first. So he said, and praise God, Eli goes, you shall know the gods before him. She can't worship idols. And that's the first of the ten. But the greatest, Jesus said, and then Heather goes, but the greatest is love the Lord your God, your whole heart, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And she walked him through that. And I thought, praise God, that's being motherly. Amen? Sisters, you're all created to be motherly, whether you have physical children or spiritual children or both. Amen? And it's beautiful. Walk in love. And a godly mother understands that she doesn't have those resources in of herself, that they come from the Lord, and that she has to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, amen? Self-control, against such there is no law, it says. That doesn't come from ourselves. The Bible says love is from God, amen? amen? And the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk in love. Without love, Paul just said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said we're nothing. We're big zeros. Without love, we're empty. We're zeros. We're like noisy gongs, Amen? Clanging symbols, just a bunch of noise, just a bunch of bluster, you know? Everything you say, if it's not done in love, to encourage uh, people to love Jesus more, to know Jesus more, to walk together in fellowship and love one another is, is vain, okay? But the Bible says love fulfills the entire law. All the law and the prophets are fulfilled by this, the gr two greatest commandments. Not just love, but loving God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, neighbor as yourself. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, Romans 8, by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And Jesus says, if you ask your father for a, 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 some fish or bread, he's not going to give you a stone or a snake or a scorpion. Even so, those who ask him for the Holy Spirit will not be denied. How much more, he says, will your father in heaven, you being evil, give you good things? If you, if you fathers being evil, give good things to your children, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? Amen? So we pray, Father, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And when we're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're also saying, help me empty myself of me. May I decrease. May you increase, as John the Baptist said. He must increase of Jesus, as John the Baptist said. But I must decrease, amen? We have to decrease and let Christ live through us. And then we experience real life, real joy, real fulfillment, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You have an empty life right now if you don't have the Holy Spirit filling your heart, amen? And I feel bad for you because you don't know the joy of the Lord. You don't know the joy of the Holy Spirit, you know? The joy of the Lord, it says, is our strength, you know? People say, man, you've been preaching a long time. I don't just mean at the end of a message sometimes. But I mean for many, many, many years. It's not by my own strength. I don't take any credit. It's by the power of Christ. I constantly rely upon him. I constantly cry out to him and say, use me, Lord, to your glory. And I'm going to keep going forward, come hell 
or high water or whatever the enemy brings by the grace of God. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to say, I never deny you, Lord. I, I could do it just like Peter, probably more easily because Peter is Peter by myself and my lonesome. But he is our strength, amen? With part from him, we can do what? But through Christ, we could do all things, everything, amen. Praise God. She also shares that love with her children. Psalm 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Wow. Let the morning, I love that, bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For you I entrust, to you I trust my life. She is a forgiver. A godly mother is a forgiver. With a capital F, man. She is a forgiver. She has to be. Amen? How many mothers know that you need to be a forgiving mother? Not just to your children, but to your spouse at times, right? To your spouse probably too many times, as it might seem. But we're called to forgive 70 times 7. And that means don't keep a record and say, my husband is at 448, you know? <laughs> then you're missing the point of that, amen? <laughs> so it's important that, we're, that mothers are forgivers. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to each other, Paul writes, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now that's a, it's one thing to be called to forgive, but it's another thing to be called to forgive the way Christ has forgiven us, amen? But I don't want to spend the time to get in the parable of the talent. I've taught on that a few times in the past, a number of times, but to, to explicate that because it's powerful when you look at it. But I'll get down to the essentials of it, and that is a man that was forgiven a huge amount by his master went and choked a servant who owed him nothing by way of comparison to what his master forgave him. And his master said, because you have not forgiven your fellow servant, neither will I forgive you now. He lost his forgiveness. That's serious. And the idea is that you were forgiven a great amount. That should have inspired you to forgive the smaller amount that you were owed. And that the teaching there, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this, right? And the idea there is that we've been forgiven all of our sins. And nobody has done close to against you to what you've done against God. When you accumulate all that you've done, not even close. So it should be easy, not saying hard, to, not easy to forgive. It should be easy to make the, the, the uh, transaction in our heart and mind, though, and say, I need to. Why? Because we're able to say, look what he did on the cross. How can you think of what Jesus did for you on the cross, hanging and taking your punishment upon himself, when we, didn't, when we deserved hell and he deserved nothing except glory, stepped out of glory and reserved the hell that we deserve upon himself so you can be saved and turn around and have vengeance against somebody who's done nothing against you by way of comparison. That would be wicked. That would be evil. Paul writes in Colossians 3.13, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Forgive each other. We're supposed to be Christians. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There it is. As the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. A great parent can't be a great parent unless that great parent is a great forgiver. Amen? A parent can't be a great parent unless they're first a great forgiver because your children will hurt you at times. You'll feel betrayed at times. You'll feel rejected. You'll feel unappreciated. You'll feel scorned. You'll feel tired, you'll feel sad, you'll feel mistreated, all those things, many times, the way we've made God feel. We've grieved the Holy Spirit of God, amen? So what do we need to do? We need to make sure that we're not grieving His Spirit in our own walks. But one of the fastest ways to grieve God's Spirit 
is to receive such grace and forgiveness from God and then not reciprocate even part, even some forgiveness to someone else by way of comparison. That grieves the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Paul says don't grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says in the context, that's, it's right after that that he says Ephesians 4.32, just a few verses later, to be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Right after he says not to grieve the Holy Spirit, he says don't go to bed, bed in your own anger. Be angry and sin not. Don't, let, don't go to bed being angry. In other words, work it out and forgive. Well, what if the person continues to act wickedly toward me? You love that person still. Amen? What if that person is out to hurt me? It doesn't say you have to join hands with that person. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. That was the heart he had, amen? They didn't all repent, amen? And they didn't accept, many of them didn't accept his forgiveness, but that was his heart toward them, amen? That's the heart we need to have toward people that are, treat us in an evil way. So we need to love and we need to forgive. A godly woman is submissive to her Lord. She's submissive to her Lord and to her husband. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Amen? So as husbands, you need to lay your life down for your wives. But as wives, God-fearing mothers, they recognize that the Lord's created order in the body of Christ and they follow the leadership of their husbands. Of course, if their husband tells them not to preach the gospel, take the mark of the beast, curse Christ, it's no way. I serve Jesus Christ before I serve you. And I will not disobey his word. Amen? I don't know any husbands here that would do that, though, right? And if you're one of those husbands, please come up and talk to me afterwards. You know, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, I love this one. It's one of my favorites. I stuck it near the end. She is a shield and a warrior in life. A Christian mom is a shield and a warrior in life. And I believe Satan wants to hide this from the mothers here. I believe he's hiding it from the body of Christ. That mothers are to be like a shield for their kids. To be warriors. Shields to their husbands too. Pretty heavy when you think about that. In fact, one of the verses that some women can cringe at, you know, when they read, if they don't understand it, although we should be so happy because that the Lord even gave us life, amen, but he, and he made us in his image. But it says the Lord God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him and helpmate you know helper and someone were like oh that must mean I'm less than the man you know instead of looking at it which isn't true by the way instead of looking at it like wow I can't believe I've been given the gift of life right I'd be happy to be a bird personally right but to be get made in the image of God it's to be rejoicing but that word helper there I love it because when you look at the Hebrew word there it's powerful and sisters, I want you to really pay attention that, that, that what God's called you to. Because we need mothers like never before to stand up for their children, to stand up for life, to stand up with their husbands and be arrayed in spiritual battle. And we're called sisters. Do you know it's not just the men? It doesn't say, Paul doesn't say men, be strong in the Lord and the power is might, and men put on the whole armor of God. He says to the men and the women, to be strong in the Lord the power of his might, and to the men and to the women to put on the whole armor of God that you may stand in the evil day. Amen? You are a warrior for Jesus. Okay? You're a princess warrior. That's what you are. 
Come on, now you're just going too far. Adding, I can see the warrior thing because now you just explained it and it makes sense. But Princess Warrior Joe, really? Yeah. Because guess what? Who, is, who, are you wed, who are you wedded to? Come on now. Come on now. You're wedded to Jesus. Amen. The bride of Christ. Amen. And he's the king of kings. The Lord of lords. He's the prince of life. Amen. Well, I'm not like a princess. like in a castle. Yeah, that's nothing. They grow old. They die. They get buried. They're gone. You're with him forever. And you will rule with him in New Jerusalem. Amen? You'll rule with him in, 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 I'm sorry, you'll rule with him for the thousand-year millennial period, but it also says we'll reign with him forever and ever. Amen? So you are a princess warrior bride. I'm veering from my notes a lot right now, but praise God, it's good stuff, I think. <laughs> I don't have princess in here at all and so forth, but God is good. Because I pray, or burn things on my heart, you know? And I, and, uh, but you are a princess princess warrior bride, or you ought to be. Gideon, get up, stand up, come on, go, you man of valor. He's like, who, me? <laughs> this farmer guy, man. He's like, but God, God sees what he wants him to be, and Gideon's not that yet, but that's what God created him to be, amen? God created you to be a warrior for him, man. We need the sisters to stand up and be warriors, amen? In fact, there's a lot of sisters out there on the front lines right now, marching for life, marching for babies, amen? It's trying to get them... Uh, saved, you know. Uh, it's amazing because in Proverbs 31, women are called uh, women of virtue. It the women of virtue, but the word can be translated valor, which is very, very interesting. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the word ezer, right there, the Hebrew word ezer, is translated helpmate. Okay, and it's really interesting because that word appears just over 20 times in the Old Testament. About 21 times the Old Testament. And it originally had a couple different roots, like to, to be strong, to rescue, to save are the roots from that word. And in eight of the 21 instances, you know this word is often translated Savior. Okay, not like Savior of the world, but Savior. Nonetheless, and it's used of, I'm talking about when it's applied to women, you won't say she's the Savior of the world. Ooh, she's the mother of all living though. But it's applied to the Lord over and over again as the Savior. That's, that's interesting. A couple times it refers to, a couple times, uh, Ezer refers to a woman, or, and a few different times it refers to, uh, uh, speaks of military power, military support. I want to give you some instances in Scripture where this word Ezer is translated. Same word that's translated helpmate or helper. Same, same, same Hebrew word. And I want you to tell me what that word might be translated in each verse. Play a little game here. This is Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help. Shield of your help. Shield is the word there, Ezer. And the sword of your majesty. So your enemies will cringe before you, and you will tread upon their high places. Exodus 18, 4. The other was named Eliezer, which, by the way, what does Eliezer's name mean? Helper. Amen. Abraham's servant was named Eliezer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Wow. Now, it's interesting because Eliezer went to go get, fetch Isaac's bride. You remember Abraham brought up Isaac to the mount to be sacrificed? Isaac's a picture of Christ. Abraham's a picture of the father. And then when the father sends out Eliezer, to go get a bride for Isaac. He sends him forth and he bears all kinds of gifts, right? 
Eliezer's name is what? Helper. Abraham's picture of the father. Isaac's picture of Jesus. The helper goes and gets the bride. Who's Eliezer a picture of? The Holy Spirit, amen. Sisters, you're given a role of incredible magnitude. When God uses that word in his foreknowledge, he knows it's empowered. It's, it's, it, it has a huge meaning because Eve is a co-regent with Adam and they name all the animals, right? Adam's the first Adam. Jesus is called the second Adam and the last Adam, right? And Eve is his bride, a picture of the bride of Christ, amen? And they're reigning at that point over the earth and Jesus restores to that to us and the church gets what Eve was called to in the millennial period. And the helpmate means to what? To rule, to have dominion. Now Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight. So we're not called to have dominion over this world until Christ comes back and it says the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of Christ. Revelation 11. Then we'll reign with him, amen. But guess where you are called? To help rule with your husband, your household, called to guide it well. You're called to be a, wider, a, a warrior for Jesus. You're called to protect your kids in this dark, evil world system that we live in where there's all this dark chaos and dark powers and forces of darkness at work that are targeting your children. You need to step up and be a shield. You need to watch what you let in their ear gate, amen? You need to watch what you let in their eye gate, amen? You need to be there for them. Psalm 33:20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. I love that. Oh, Israel... That, by the way, 33.20, it's, there's help and shield. Hosea 13.9, O Israel, you have destroyed yourself, but in me is your help. It's being God, the same words used of God more than anything else by far. It's almost always used of God being the help, being the shield, being the Savior. Amen? And he applies that to the woman. It's a word to get excited about. It's a word I'm excited about. Psalm 121.2, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Wow. Ezekiel 12.14, and I will scatter toward every wind all that are about him and help him and all his bands, and I will draw out the sword after them. Oh, Israel, you have destroyed yourself, but in me is your help. He is our help. He is our shield. He is our savior. But guess what, sisters? You've been given, you're, you're a shield. Your shield that helps protect the home. That help protect, protect your husband's dignity. Amen. Help protect his reputation. Help protect your children. Amen. You're a shield that protects the children. It's amazing how God has made the womb. Amen. You know, you sisters like, like Latoya and so forth that are in the medical field and brothers, it's pretty powerful. That's so protective there. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an environment that God creates to sustain and protect and grow life. The opposite of the murdering implements of a so-called doctor. A doctor who kills babies, in my estimation, is a murderer before he's a doctor. You know, the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, just, uh, the leak came out, I'm sure, Pretty much everybody's probably aware of this because it's been the biggest thing in the news, even, believe it or not, bigger than the whole Johnny Depp thing, is that SCOTUS revealed, Supreme Court, it was from a clerk, they assume, that the Supreme Court, the majority, is getting ready to rule against the federal government mandating or allowing the murder of children, abortion. And they're not deciding that it's illegal. They're going to kick it to the states to decide. 
but there's a bunch of states that are saying that are, they're going to make it illegal. And the liberals are freaking out. In fact, on Mother's Day, which I thought was so ironic, you know, when I woke up this morning and, you know, I was talking to my wife and wishing her happy Mother's Day and so forth. And she said, are you ready? I go for my message. She goes, for this. And she shows me what she's looking at and the news and the internet. And it's like protesters before churches and so forth and how that's going to happen. I read about that a couple days ago as well. I said, oh, yeah, I'm ready for that if that happens. I go, they, be, <laughs> they don't want to probably come to our fellowship, you know. Not because a bunch of you carry, no shooting, you know. Love them. Jesus said, love one another, amen, you know. But I'm just saying they wouldn't get much fanfare in where we're meeting, right? But what they would get is they'd get us fired up for Jesus more, seeing how real that battle is, amen. And they're not going to all say, okay, we're going to change our opinion. You can kill babies. It's fine now. God loves you, and he loves you killing babies, and, and we're going to change our opinion. It's not an opinion, man. It's a conviction based on the word of God, amen? And we need to stand up for our children. In fact, real-time host Bill Maher, he's one of the most liberal guys out there in many ways for through the years. Well, he's becoming a little more conservative in areas, which can be a little deceptive. Don't think he's conservative. But he's like, as, as you get older, you know, uh, they always say, like Mark Twain said, I thought my dad was just a total idiot when I was a kid. But then after I got in my mid-20s, I couldn't believe how smart he got overnight, you know? I'm... I'm paraphrasing him, but when you get older, you get wiser. And maybe that's happening with him, or maybe he's trying to attract another demographic. I don't know his heart. But he kicked off his panel discussion, uh, and I saw this in the news. I thought it was quite interesting. I will not watch Bill Maher. Uh, he said, I learned things this week. He kicked it off regarding the SCOTUS supposed coming decision. We'll see what happens. They're saying they're not backing down from the majority's view or what have you. We'll see. Something like that anyway. I learned things this week, he said that are pretty basic things. This is how he opened his show, with a very liberal audience. That uh, pretty basic things that I did not know about abortion. Like in Europe, the modern countries of Europe are way more restrictive than we are. The moderate countries in Europe are way more restrictive than we are or what, uh, they've, uh, on what they are proposing. They're way more restrictive of abortion in Europe than we are. And I thought, you know, I thought Germany would be like the loosest, most liberal country because they were the most so-called progressive country regarding euthanasia and abortion and so forth during the Holocaust. And I thought they're going to be, you know, life doesn't seem to matter to them. But they, they became more conservative. In fact, I was uh, protesting with Brother Ted Walker or just out in front of a, an abortion clinic trying to, uh, not with a sign or anything, but talking to gals coming in, witnessing to them. And I was talking to two, I was talking to one German gal who came with her German friend, and she says, I'm not even Dutch. You know, I go, why did you come across the border to have an, she goes, because it's, she can't get an abortion in Germany at this stage. They're real strict. And I was talking to Ted, and I was talking to Bert Dornbos, who we've gone out there with a few times, and he's out there. He's, we've had some good times, you know, ministering with him. And he said, yeah, because of the Holocaust, the pendulum swung the other way toward life in Germany in many ways. It's still, they still allow abortion, but it's, it's far more restrictive. And this is Mars saying he was tripping out on this, and Mar exclaimed, if you are pro-choice, you would like it a lot less in Germany and Italy and France and Spain and Switzerland. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I learned some people who are pro-life, or I'm sorry, I learned most people who are pro-life are women. Now that shouldn't shock us though. It doesn't shock me at all that most people that are pro-life are women because women naturally are given a God-given instinct, right, 
to protect life. Amen? To want to protect children, to protect life. They're the ones that just cry if a baby gets hurt. But it's the propaganda that's taught women through the years that it's just some kind of uh, tumor growth, which is just, you know, I've, I've quoted different pro-deathers, pro-abortionists, pro-baby killers, saying it's like a tumor, like a cancer, comparing it to different things like that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? And they just like to call, oh, it's a fetus. Nobody knows what the word fetus means that hears that usually when they're young. Fetus doesn't sound like baby, does it? Now, it originally meant referred to a baby, but the way it's used, they don't want to use baby or child or person. Amen? They don't want to say that. So we shouldn't be shocked because mothers should be pro-life and so should the husbands, amen? amen? When I was in Idaho, we stayed at Peggy and Kenny's house for some time and Peggy has one of the coolest jobs you could possibly have. And Leanne works with her uh, through, from Texas and she works with a network of people where they work the phones through a good portion of the day and they're constantly reaching out to people uh, that are, people are calling them for abortions. Not knowing that they're giving counsel and their counsel is keep your baby. You know, and, and she gets to win people to keep their babies. They, thousands of people, babies have been saved. She gave me the numbers just in the last year. A lot of them were saved. And, and, but also, this, they lead people to Christ, too. And one of the pe- persons that called up was a boyfriend who was wanting his girlfriend to have an abortion, making the appointment. So that happens a lot. Men are hugely responsible for the baby killing that's going on and legitimizing it. And the Supreme Court that allowed it for so long, I think, was all men, you know, now, it's interesting because uh, Mar said, this is, I thought, interesting too. He said, I guess what I'm saying is I really feel like abortion is unique. It's because either you have just this view that it's murder. I, it could be put, uh, he said, I could put the argument on a hat when people talk about women's rights. Murder isn't a right if you think it's murder. Of course, he goes on to say, he doesn't think it's murder because he doesn't even believe in God. He doesn't believe we're creating God's image and what have you. But he, he's smart enough to know it's a life and he's smart enough to know it's not cat life, feline, or canine life. It's human life. Amen. But he said if he would put a hat on. Murder isn't a right. I thought that would be a pretty cool hat. I thought I'd probably change it to baby murder is not a right. Let's just say it even more so what it is. Uh, but I'm always, I always have longer titles, you know that. <laughs> I always try to get a little more out there. Okay, so listen to this. This is what Biden said about this whole thing when the whole decision was made to, you know, by, not decision, but when the leak took place. Look how Biden responded. And tell me what's wrong with this quote if you're pro, if you're claiming to be a Christian. He, he said, I'm a child of God, you know, and so forth. But tell me what's wrong with this quote if you believe it's okay to kill babies. Okay, he said, I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say no one can make a judgment to choose to abort a child based on the decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. Do you see what he just called the person in the womb right there? Listen to what he said. I mean, says Biden, the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say no one can make a judgment to choose to abort a child based upon a decision by the Supreme Court, I think it goes way overboard. He's calling the baby a child. Did you catch that? Wow, praise God. It's about time someone called it a child in the government. High up, amen? We all know it's a child, right? We know if the baby's born premature, nobody says it's not a child, right? 
It lives at a certain amount of months, but before, even the day before it can live outside the womb, it's still the same person, still the same child, amen? And when you terminate its life, you're terminating the life of a child. In 2016, Hillary Clinton mentions someone in the womb. What does she refer to? She's on Meet the Press. She's the, only, uh, she's the leading Democratic presidential candidate at the time, and she says this to Meet the Press in 2016. Listen to this. The unborn person... The unborn what? Person. person, she says, doesn't have constitutional rights. Yeah, it's because you took those rights to life from that person. Wicked, guys. It's wicked. She added, that doesn't mean that we do, don't do everything we possibly can in the vast majority of instances to, you know, help a mother who is carrying a child and wants to make sure that that child will be healthy to have appropriate medical support. These guys aren't dumb, okay? They know it's a child. They know it's a person. They want to scam the public, and they want to deceive young people that are rallying, many of them. Many of the young people, by the way, are pro-life, praise God. Amen. But it's a deception. It is a huge deception that is going on right now, guys. And I just, but what about a woman's rights? Guys, what about the baby's rights, right? And we don't have the right to commit murder. None of us do. My rights stop at your nose, the tip of your nose. I don't have the right to hurt you. Affect, do hurt you like that. I could be watching a ball game or something with the little kids and have a dad that's disgusted because his, his little boy struck out three times now. He's all upset. He tells me afterwards, I'm going to go and take him aside behind that shed, behind the snack shack over there, and I'm going I'm to slit his throat. Would that be wicked? And I say, that's wicked. You're not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to let you. You're going to have to slit my throat and stop me before you stop him. And he said, it's my right. I'm, a, I'm his dad. Does his dad have the right to kill his little boy? Yes or no? no? No. Neither does a mom or dad have the right to kill their little boy or girl in the womb. It's that simple. Because the baby's in or out of the womb doesn't change the fact that it's a child. It's a person. It's a baby. It's murder. Amen? Amen. And if this doesn't fire you up, this issue, you've got to pray and seek the Lord and see if you have a spiritual pulse, man. Because your heart should ache for the, the, the Bible says of Israel that God brought judgment upon her. Jettisoned her from the land. One of the reasons he did that was because they were shedding the blood of innocent children. We have upwards of over 62 million babies murdered in our country. That's over 10 times the amount of Jews that were killed in the Holocaust. And just as we look back at what happened in Nazi Germany with, with horrifying eyes, and outraged hearts, people will look back at this time with horrified eyes and outraged hearts that we could do this and just let it go. I praise God we have mothers here. When we have a, a pro-life banquet at the CPC, Crisis Pregnancy Clinic, this fellowship is heavily represented. We have three or four tables usually. That's more than I think most, if probably all. And we don't have the biggest fellowship, but we have a, but we have a lot of strong converts here. A lot of those who truly love Jesus, you know people love the Lord here, you know. And it's an exciting thing. But I want to encourage you mothers and, and you, you dads and young people, when we have our pro-life clinic, you just start a banquet, you just show up, you get food, you pay a little bit of money, it helps to save babies, and you just represent Christ. And they have an auction often, and you can win trips to whatever, uh, or you know, do an auction sometimes. But that money goes towards saving babies. I'm not saying that's the only thing you should do. That's just one thing that's very easy for you to do, I'm saying. When you hear the banquet, say, hey, in your heart you might say, yeah, I want to go to that banquet next time. You know, because... A lot of babies are being saved right here in Simi Valley. But I want to encourage each and every one of you guys 
to stand up for life, to stand up for the children, to realize what is happening in the world around you. And mothers, you are shields. And I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't for the mother's shields, and most pro-lifers are mothers, women, I should say, blows me away. That's beautiful, the way it ought to be. But guess what? We'd probably be over 100 million murders right now of babies in our country if it wasn't for mothers that stood up. And praise God, there's millions of men that are standing up too, to one degree or another. More men need to stand up and be men and take their skirts off and put on their pants for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. This one I'm reading, reading right and some of the women are saying, preach it now, Joe. Now you're really going, you know, go after my husband. Let's be men of God. Amen? I want to get done at time so we can all have a great Mother's Day and not keep you late. Uh, I think Wednesday night, I, I looked at my clock, it was 11.32, so I prayed with two minutes left, but so it's two minutes over. But right now, if we get communion out, guys, and we hurry up, we can get done in time and give a wonderful Mother's Day. Love you guys. Can we all please stand in honor of our Lord? The Bible says to stand in awe of him. Amen.